What is up and welcome back to Zen Business, the show that studies health and mindfulness habits that ultra high performers use to reach the top of their industry and their craft. I'm your host, Jonathan Maxim, Managing Director at K&J Growth Hackers and founder of five digital companies. We've grown these companies to great levels and created an exciting and fulfilling life for our team members, but the truth is, it was much more challenging than we ever could have imagined. All right, now let's jump in. All right, what is up and welcome back to Zen Business. I am elated to do this episode today because I'm in a black hole with this goddamn book. It's called Breath by James Nestor. And I've been telling all my friends about it. I honestly don't think many people have read it because the title sounds kind of boring and it just like probably seems like another, ooh, meditate in the morning and do your breathing techniques and you'll be happy and healthy. And it's it's really not that. Um, it's actually a very scientific book. And I'd like to thank my buddy, Salim Najjar, the founder of Sound Drinks, um, for sharing this with me. It's been a game changer. I'm definitely going to re-gift this book to somebody else once I finish it. I'm about uh, three quarters of the way through right now, and I'm honestly addicted to it. So yeah, basically um, today in this episode, we're going to uh, review the science and art of breathing. And yeah, I just, I think it's going to be mind blowing. Uh, the, the most immediate outcomes you can expect from practicing some of the techniques that I'll share in this episode today are that you'll, uh, one, metabolize more energy. So you will feel better. Uh, two, you will repair damage and improve your health in a very measurable way. And three, um, you'll be more mindful and calm. So those are some, some clear outcomes uh, that you can expect from applying these techniques. So let's go ahead and jump in. So uh, being a longtime meditator, I've always believed in the power of breath and Recently, I would say about a month ago, I went and got a septoplasty. A septoplasty is when you have a deviated septum and you want the doctors to correct it. So it's a nasal surgery. It's a pretty serious surgery and it puts you under, it's a four week recovery time. Um, and you don't fully recover until six to 12 months. Um, but basically what they do is they go in, they peel the layer of skin. So they make an incision at the bottom of your nose and they peel all of the top layer skin up and then they reveal the cartilage and bone under it and in there the doctor will surgically and very carefully restructure the shape of the septum right so they'll straighten out the deviated septum now deviated septum just think of it like a kinked hose right how much water can really get through a hose when it's kinked it's actually a way to cut it off completely if you remember as a kid and that's essentially what a deviated septum is. You got nostrils on each side and the actual path of both nostrils is bent, right? So it's like a, an exit ramp and then an on-ramp kind of combined. It's a little bit hard to describe, but it's not like just one nostril is clogged up. Of course, you know, in my case, my right nostril was clogged, but the deviated septum, uh, correcting it involves straightening both out. So they'll both basically become, you know, parallel tubes after that. So I had that surgery done. I've lived with the deviated septum my whole life. And basically what happens when you have a deviated septum is it's very hard to breathe through your nose. My right nostril is pretty much always clogged and um, it causes mouth breathing in people. <laughs> I know that's a internet taboo. And uh, I'm sad to say that, yeah, I was a mouth breather for a long time. 
Um, even though I put a lot of energy and focus into breathing through my nose, because when you meditate every morning, or at least when I do, I, I shut my mouth. And I've done things like, you know, use nasal sprays or, you know, gone to doctors for various consultations and they'll give me this and give me that, but nothing actually works. So I said, fuck this, I'm gonna go get the deviated septum repaired. And it, the insurance covered it, which is nice. So I, I just got back from that and I, they, they put these four inch plastic stents in your nose um, to hold the structure of the nostrils to make sure that the surgery uh, benefits stay, right? So the cartilage forms in the same and intentional way that it's supposed to. But I went from, you know, absolutely no air passage through my nostrils for about 10 days to having like jet engines for nostrils. I mean, they, <laughs> the capacity went up way more than 2x. I would say it basically 3x, even though it was only my right nostril that was, that was clogged uh, from the deviated septum. So on this little journey, uh, the main outcome is that I picked up this book, right? And so what I've found in this book and I want to share with you is how we can utilize breathing. Um, I would say one of the most nuanced components of health um, to make big measurable impacts. And, you know, that's a big study of Zen businesses. What are the little tweaks that make huge impacts? The stuff that people tend to ignore that is actually the most important or, you know, maybe they're avoiding it because it's an awkward or uncomfortable or intimidating topic. I would say breathing is more just a, a forgotten and not really cared about topic, whereas some of the other ones that are a little bit more, uh, I guess, people put walls up against them more. I, I would say meditation, people block it off a lot. And that's a very nuanced thing that has a huge impact. Um, and I think the, the benefits of meditation are pretty clear at this point. That's why I don't do a lot of podcasting on it, because I think if you're not meditating right now, you are in the minority and you should be meditating. Um, so there are three components to breathing that I want to talk about today. First, energy synthesis. Second, the difference between nasal and, and mouth breathing. And then third, how to actually breathe so that you get like all the benefits that we're, we're going to talk about today. So the human body metabolizes energy in two ways. It can burn glucose whether that's through ketosis or through actual carb consumption, both of them, even with ketosis, the, the ketones ultimately are converted to glucose before they are burned, right? So that's one way that you can metabolize energy, glucose consumption, right? Eating, basically. The second is through oxygen. Oxygen creates energy as well. Now, you've probably, maybe, maybe not, you've heard of uh, people who are called breathitarians, I think. Basically, people who believe that in, in breathing as a, a source of energy who don't need to eat because they are breathing. Now, I thought this was completely loony when I heard about the topic, but I kind of figured there was some kind of truth to it because why would people hitch their whole reputation and life on something like this? So when we eat, of course, you know, we can get glucose energy, great, right? But if we can metabolize energy from oxygen, AKA from breathing, can't we bring a lot of healthy new energy into our body without actually eating anything, without taxing the digestive system or utilizing any of our valuable resources to, you know, to metabolize that fuel, that glucose, 
if we could do this with breathing, wouldn't we want to, right? Like, let's just say your energy levels are at 80 out of 100. Why not improve your breathing and get to 90 out of 100, right? To, to have that much more energy. And I always say that uh, having a great day is one of those days where you wake up feeling good, right? Your stomach feels good, your body feels good, your mind feels good. There is a, 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 a physio and spiritual component to feeling good, but a lot of feeling good is just having a lot of energy. You know, people who are known for having uh, great energy are those ones who are energetic, right? They come into the room, they light the place up, and they're, you know, smiling a lot, and they're radiating positive vibes. And, you know, if you believe in all the spiritual foo-foo stuff, they're kind of putting off a, an aura of, of positive energy. Well, you have to have physical energy to do that. That's it's, it's the same thing. The physical and the spiritual energy are the same. It's the life force, right? So when we are not getting enough uh, oxygen, we are depriving ourselves of energy. So, you know, when you focus on your breathing, you are going to give yourself more energy. That's the short answer. So you can supplement the energy that you get from eating, of course, uh, by breathing right. Now, the question becomes, well, what do we do to breathe right? Like, what is the right breathing versus the wrong breathing? And you know, we can go down a rabbit hole. I'm going to keep this episode still pretty short and sweet. You know, I try to keep all of these two, three bullet points, three topics. Um, today's are energy synthesis and then nose versus mouth breathing and then exhaling and speed of breathing. But if you want to go deeper, uh, one, you can request that. Just DM me on Instagram at it's J Maxim and ask for uh, a deeper dive on this. But second, you can just buy the book. So the the, the first important point is that if you want to produce more energy, all you have to do is breathe better. And when you breathe better, here's how the, the scientific component of it works. So let's just say that you're breathing slower and deeper and you're bringing more air through your nostrils and down into your lungs. There are these things called turbinates in your nose, which are reformed during the septoplasty, which I had done and a series of tunnels in your nostrils. I believe it comes out to a mile and a half of little microtubes in your nostrils. Now these turbinates, they filter the air, they cool it to a modest temperature so that your body can metabolize it quickly because that, you know, like when you eat cold food versus hot food, one requires more energy than the other, you know, cold food, your body has to heat it up to metabolize it so it takes more energy. Same thing when it comes to your nose. When you breathe, you want to uh, temper it, right? Like bring it to a temperature that is uh, optimal for your body to metabolize it. You want to clean dust and things like that out of it. And you want to uh, apportion it or, or control it in a way that it flows evenly. So it's not just like a, a big pump into your lungs. Instead, it's a smooth, steady absorption of, of that air. So the turbinates are extremely important. And when we talk about nose versus mouth breathing, this will make a lot more sense. Uh, but breathing through the nose filters it. Breathing through the mouth, you don't get the filters, right? So you breathe through the nose, even though it's a little bit more difficult, one might say, because it's more steady. You can't just do like a big chomp of, of air. You're actually doing yourself a big favor in, in many ways. You know, short, shallow breathing is uh, about the worst kind of breathing you can do and will do a ton of damage uh, when it comes to your palate and the soft tissue at the back of your throat. So you breathe steadily and slowly through the nose. Your uh, turbinates will 
filter the air, cool it off to the proper temperature or warm it up to the proper temperature, and then distribute it evenly and apportion it to your lungs in, in the most effective way uh, for metabolizing it, aka creating more energy. Now, when the air goes down into your lungs, you think of this as like a river with deltas, right? All these little endpoints in your lungs are where the oxygen molecules will be essentially docking. They'll, they'll lodge into your lungs and your lungs will uh, separate the oxygen and then uh, exert after they processed it, kind of like photosynthesis, they'll process the oxygen and then they'll exhale carbon dioxide. Um, now, carbon dioxide serves an important purpose as well. A lot of people think of it as negative, but it actually is a balancing tool uh, to the oxygen. And the book goes deeper into that, but I'm not going to go super deep on it today. But anyway, so your body you know, brings the air in through the nostrils, filters it, cleans it, brings it to the right temperature, distributes it through your lungs, and then your lungs will pump that out through uh, your blood vessels, right? And just like, you know, a ship ride, you know, sailing through these different um, rivers, it'll, you know, stop at different docks and drop off oxygen to these, to these different muscles. So that's the scientific component of it. Now, uh, the more healthy you're breathing, the more energy you will metabolize from it, short and simple. Beautiful, right? So now we can start getting more energy from our breath without eating more, okay? The second thing I wanna talk about is nose versus mouth breathing. Now, mouth breathing uh, has become a, a, an internet phenomena, and of course, I guess everything does at some point become an internet phenomenon. Someone ends up getting made fun of a lot. Uh, this time I was a butt end of that joke, and um, not by any personal choice on my part, of course. And uh, you know, I came to find out that like, Five out of six of my friends have deviated septums too. So it sounds like a lot of people are mouth breathers. Not the majority of our breathing is through the mouth, but it happens when the, no the, the nostrils are clo clogged up. So what happens when you breathe through the mouth? Uh, so let's just say that you are having trouble falling asleep because you can't breathe through your nose and you open your mouth and you start breathing through there so that you can actually sleep. This happened to me all the time. And it's really frustrating because I just want to have even smooth breaths, but I can't because if I'm laying on my left side, then my right nostril clogs up. So when you breathe through the mouth, you got to understand this is soft tissue, right? Your palate, your throat, your, all of the tissue in your, in your mouth uh, is subject to, of course, evolution and adaptation for, you know, various needs and purposes, but also to the outside forces, right? So when you breathe through your mouth, first of all, the air is not getting filtered. There are no turbinates to filter out dust and contaminants and things like that. So you're breathing all this dirty air into your mouth. Of course, that can make your breath bad because you got a bunch of new bacteria that is unwanted, essentially. The second thing is, is that it dries your mouth out. When your mouth is open, of course, all of the moist, wet surfaces of the throat and you know, the palate and the tongue and everything will become dry meaning now you need to drink more water. Well, the nose actually releases a chemical that prevents you from needing to pee because breathing through the nose is the natural sleeping process, not breathing through the mouth. So it will actually signal to your body when you breathe through your nose that you are in a sleeping state and your body should relax the bladder and not attempt to pee in the middle of the night. 
Well, when you breathe through the mouth, you dry out your mouth and then you drink some water. This has happened to me all the time too. Drink water throughout the night. And then I had to pee a bunch of times. Really fucking frustrating. It's because one, that chemical, I forget what it's called, but that one is not being released at night. So of course your body is peeing on its normal schedule like you would if you're in the middle of the day and you're up and walking around. Second, you're drinking more water. And third, you're feeling more dehydrated because of course when you breathe out, you're exhaling moist air. And so the, the moisture in your body is getting burned off beyond the fact that dry air is coming in. So what happens with the mouth and the palate drying out is that the shape of the throat and the palate, uh, they basically go from being a, like a rounded surface, like a smooth round surface to evenly digest food and breath as needed. It turns to like a V shape from a round shape. So it kind of like curves in and restricts that airway. And then left unattended, a lot of a, a long road of mouth breathing will essentially uh, reform, of course, the, the shape of the palate and the throat, but it will cause all kinds of other uh, side effects, right? So your nostrils, which are not being used, will tend to compress and condense and become smaller because they're not being needed anymore. So inherently, it's going to become harder to no nasal breathe. You are going to uh, see people, uh, there's excessive case studies of people having their teeth grow crooked. Because remember, the, the shape, the, the soft tissue inside of the mouth is, is reshaping. It's, it's, it's compressing and condensing in because it's drier. And this is why people get crooked teeth. It's a, it's a physical adaptation, right? So your mouth will actually like pull in and then your teeth will get weird gaps and things like that. So it will cause breathing to be more difficult. It will ruin your smile. It of course causes bad breath. It will change the shape of your smile. It makes it more difficult to actually breathe. And all that beyond the fact that you're not getting clean air, right? So things like uh, the shape of the nose will become compressed and, and, and flattened out. The shape of the mouth will become narrower uh, on, in the throat and you'll have more difficulty breathing. You can uh, cause gaps and uneven teeth. There's so many negative effects from mouth breathing. Of course, why? Because it's not the way that our bodies were intended to function. Our bodies were intended to function with nasal breathing. So with nasal breathing, uh, as I explained before, there are a series of tubes and turbinates that will filter, clean the air, uh, bring it to the proper temperature, distribute it evenly, and, and, and pace it out as you inhale it. It's a much, much healthier process. And of course, you know, the air coming in cleaner, being used more efficiently means that you're ultimately getting more out of it. Now, what do we do if we've been a mouth breather our whole life? The short answer is stop doing it, right? If you have a deviated septum, I would recommend going to the doctor and having them do surgery and fix it. It is totally worth the uh, one week of intense recovery time and four weeks of total recovery time. But all of the damages that come from mouth breathing can be mitigated and repaired just by improving your 
nasal breathing. Um, along with all the other effects, there is all kinds of diseases and other health conditions that can be improved by, by nasal breathing. But the stuff that we're talking about here, like gaps in your teeth and uh, uneven palate and things like that, the more you use the nose, the more it will expand and grow so that it can you know, be utilized more because it's being used and it's more is being demanded of it. So the short answer is start breathing through your nose. Now, a few of the other effects of, of mouth breathing are one that your, your breaths are shorter uh, and shallower. And what happens is that the total travel distance of your lungs from compressed to expressed uh, becomes shorter. Therefore, your lungs are getting used less. Therefore, your body demands less of your lungs and their natural process will be to utilize 30, 40% of their capacity. So now all of a sudden you're not getting as much air because your body is not using as much of your lungs because it doesn't really need to because you're doing short breaths. All this uh, accumulates to impact you in the way that you're getting less oxygen, AKA you're getting less energy. It's crazy to think about, right? Shit fucked me up when I read it. Uh, I kind of knew this stuff was true, but I didn't have any scientific backing for it. Uh, but now after reading extensively on it, uh, there are a lot of studies on this. People who study this are called pulmonots. And a lot of the ones who are the most credible or, you know, like choir teachers who are teaching their students to improve their breath so that they can sing better. Uh, a lot of them aren't doctors who are the best. Uh, there's one guy who went around to the VA hospitals and cured emphysema patients simply by improving the travel uh, distance and time of their lungs so they can take more air and then that that oxygen ultimately repaired the emphysema and the the lung function but also you know all the other negative side effects like cleft palates and things like that so a lot of these people studying this the the practitioners aren't necessarily your nose and throat doctors uh, which is why it's become a bit taboo. You know, a lot of people see it as foo-foo. They believe in the quote-unquote science. Well, that's just the science that you've been told. That's just what the doctors have studied because they're just they're studying the, the purely anatomical and physical components of this. They're not studying the non-physical components of this. And they're not studying topics that were not uh, ever uh, given any acknowledgement or praise in the space. If it is seen as taboo in the uh, medical literatures and journals, they don't study it. They don't want to be the guy who rocks the boat. Uh, but the pulmonots, they don't care. So that is why you should focus on breathing through the nose. Um, you can get mouth tape to help you uh, get in the practice of sleeping with your mouth closed. Um, of course, you know you need to, you know, get nasal spray or you know get the surgery if you're having trouble breathing through your nose but if you don't I would encourage you to just start breathing through your nose um, you'll immediately start to notice benefits of it so uh, with that said let's talk about the last topic of, of how and why you should breathe differently um, so actually let me back up a little bit I think there's an important outcome that I haven't discussed here and that's that your aerobic and anaerobic performance improves when you breathe through your nose because you're getting more oxygen your muscles are getting more fuel essentially you're getting better circulation to those appendages and therefore like you know if your hand if, if you like sleep on your arm and wake up and you can't move your hand that's the result of the circulation being cut off so think of the opposite of that having like 
a jet engine pumping additional oxygen to that appendage, how much more effective is it going to be in lacrosse and cycling and baseball and rock climbing, whatever it is. If your muscles feel more energy and more fuel, they are going to work more effectively. So improving your circulation is incredibly important to improving your performance athletically and just every day, right? Like just feeling good, like walking around and not having soreness and not feeling like your you know, legs are made out of concrete, that kind of feeling after you do leg day. The improvement in your breathing will get more oxygen to your muscles, period, right? It's the same thing that creatine does, right? It dilates your veins so that you carry more water to the muscles and then the muscles uh, ultimately work more effectively because they have more oxygen, boom. Short and simple. I'm not going to go too much into the, uh, the sports and athletic performance, but I think it's pretty obvious when you're getting more oxygen and the oxygen is cleaner and coming in more evenly, you're going to perform better. So how do you actually breathe to perform better? First one is uh, focus on the exhale. Uh, this is yoga classes, sound baths, meditations, wherever you've been where people are trying to teach you to improve your breathing, or maybe not, maybe you haven't, they're often going to say, take a slow, deep in-breath, right? And then oftentimes people forget about the out-breath. Uh, but the exhale is important for uh, one key reason. The further that you exhale, is the, the more you express your lung to the maximum of its capacity, so that on your inhale, you can intake more air, right? So the in-breath is not what determines your lung capacity. The out-breath is what does. So when you breathe, it is optimal to exhale as much as you possibly can and hold it down because you're basically squeezing the lung as much as you can at its maximum capacity and, and increasing its maximum capacity by holding it out. So exhaling will actually increase your lungs capacity The travel, the distance between the top and bottom, you know, the expression and impression of your lung uh, will be improved when you exhale fully. So the optimal way to breathe, of course, is to take slow and steady in-breaths and breathe it through your stomach, pull out with your tummy and then breathe out fully, 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 fully. Ideally, until you get that <laughs> type of feeling. So don't forget about the exhale. The next component of breathing that I want to talk about is breathing slowly. So breathing fast, aka hyperventilating, is going to, uh, yeah, it's going to be like a turbocharger pumping more oxygen into your body. Um, but it's not actually the oxygen that we lack or that's not necessarily what is causing damage to our body is a lack of oxygen what's actually causing damage is the imbalance of carbon dioxide and, and oxygen in our body so when you breathe through the nose you of course bring in oxygen more evenly and smoothly and cleanly but you are also allowing your body to balance and distribute the air more evenly. So that's why it's ideal to breathe slowly because you will, again, make better use of the oxygen that you do bring in. When you breathe fast, of course, you know, you can feel anxious. The, the, the feeling of hyperventilating is a feeling of anxiety. 
the opposite is calmness, right? Take long, slow, deep breaths and you will calm. You will feel your heart rate slow down. It's optimal to get to the end of an exhale and notice your heart rate slowing and do the same on your inhale. So breathe all the way in. Pause, notice heart rate slowing. And breathe out and do the same thing at the end. Notice the heart rate slowing. So not only is this good from an anatomical and a physical perspective because it will slow your heart rate and calm your body down and your mind down, AKA reduce anxiety, but it will distribute oxygen more evenly throughout your body and utilize the capacity of your lungs better. So this is just a few key points from the book. I, I encourage everyone to read it. Uh, as I've told my friends, this is ultimately going to become a Bible for me. I've only got one other book that I call a Bible. It's The Way of the Superior Man by David Data. But breath, uh, as I read the book, I just naturally improve my breathing. So anytime I'm reading it, I'm breathing better. So that's why I like it. That's why I'm going to use it regularly. Uh, but it's just a great reminder. Um, breath is the life force. This is the, uh, the essence of the body and the spirit is, is your breath. It is the, uh, the one thing that is always free, of course. Uh, it'll give you more energy. It'll reduce your anxiety. It'll make you a happier person, right? You'll be breathing better, sleeping better, all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, that's, that reminds me of one thing that happened after I started reading this book. Um, of course, I you know, made sure that my mouth was closed when I sleep. I noticed that I got more, a lot more dreams, which means I'm getting a lot more REM sleep. And I use this Aura ring, O-U-R-A. It's a, a fitness tracker ring. It's a smart ring. And my heart rate variability improved after I started breathing only through my nose. My HRV is basically the, uh, the recovery rate of our body. So... Even by all of the analytical and, and metric-based measures, so all the quantitative data on my body has improved since I started doing nasal breathing. So let me pull up that data for you because I just think it's interesting. Got my nose surgery on Friday, November 26th, I believe. Oh, no, I got it on the 19th. So uh, just looking at the days, starting November 22nd when I got the ring, uh, resting heart rate, 47. That's great. Anything below 50 is great. HRV balance, optimal. Body temperature, optimal. Recovery index, optimal. Scroll forward, let's just say a week after the surgery to Friday, November 26th. Heart rate variability is 79. Uh, that's down from 148. So that's just a smoother resting heart rate. Um, respiratory rate, 12.5 per minute. That's good. I'm just looking at the metrics here on my app, and it's, it's saying resting heart rate, optimal. HRV balance, optimal. Body temperature, optimal. And then another interesting component of this is I'm going to go to the sleep for November. Let's say November 27th, I got... Uh, 77 sleep scores. So um, basically what's interesting to me here is that uh, my REM sleep is two hours, uh, two hours out of eight hours of sleep. So REM is 
But the REM sleep is ideal. People actually think deep sleep is ideal, uh, but REM sleep is actually the most restorative. REM sleep is when your body is in between deep and light sleep and is essentially, that's when all the repair happens. So getting a lot of deep sleep isn't necessarily optimal. Um, so I used to get like an hour, maybe an hour and a half of REM sleep, and all of a sudden it's gone up to two hours. Why? Well, because I'm doing nose breathing. And how do I know? Well, one, of course, the ring is tracking my REM sleep. But two, I'm dreaming. And you only dream when you're in a REM state. So some clear metrics, some of the implications of, of improving my breathing. Um, I think it's, it's pretty obvious. I'm obviously... Uh, pretty amped about it here, just like raving about it, talking to you, but there's real qualitative and quantitative data to back this up. So first of all, I'd recommend pick up the book uh, Breath by James Nestor. Get the hard copy so that you can reread it and kind of keep it on hand and study it. Uh, make it your Bible if you like it as much as I do. Uh, and then share it with a friend, right? Share this episode with a friend if you think it's going to help improve their uh, day to day. All right. Got to run. Appreciate you listening. Hope it's been fun for you. Uh, a little lesson in, in science and, and, uh, and the qualitative component of, of, of mindfulness as well. I will see you next Monday. Have a good day. See ya.